0: Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of and Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit salkinsource.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of No Rain Date your podcast source for local news and interviews. I'm Josh Popachak, the host of No Rain Date and publisher of Sock & Source. And here are the headlines for the week ending December 12th, 2020. We are rapidly coming to the end of 2020, but we're not coming to the end of news by any means. It's been a very busy time in December so far with lots of headlines related to the coronavirus pandemic. A big announcement came Thursday when Governor Tom Wolf announced something that he is calling a limited time mitigation order for the state of Pennsylvania. This is in response to a surge in new cases as well as a significant increase in hospitalizations of COVID-19 patients an increase in the number of patients that are on ventilators. Just a general strain that is being placed on hospitals throughout the state. In a live news conference on Thursday, Wolf announced that the order would result in a number of businesses being impacted severely over the next few weeks. The order will be in place from Saturday, December 12th through Monday, January 4th. One of the biggest impacts is going to be on restaurants because the order halts all indoor dining during this period, which is, of course, one of the busiest times of year for restaurants and bars due to Christmas parties, all kinds of events that are scheduled. They will, however, be able to continue to have outdoor dining. It's questionable whether that will be feasible for many places due to the fact that we are in December. Temperatures are cold. It actually snowed a bit this week. Even if that's available, many people may not want to take advantage of it. But we are seeing some restaurants coming up with creative solutions already with outdoor pods that can be somewhat insulated and, of course, heat lamps. So we hope to bring you some updates on what local restaurants are doing as they've had to pivot yet again to restrictions. Now, also being impacted are gyms and fitness facilities, casinos, movie theaters, bowling alleys, many types of venues such as concert venues. None of them will be allowed to have to host indoor events during the 3-week period that will include both Christmas and New Year's. In his address, Governor Wolf said that the primary reason is to help stop the spread of COVID-19 in the state. Secondary, of course, is to protect the hospitals and healthcare workers who he noted are extremely tired. They've been battling COVID 19 since March. So we're going on a year now, and many have made tremendous sacrifices in, or, in order to do that. Of course, they're putting their own health on the line in order to take care of other people. And several healthcare officials from within the state spoke during the news conference. Of course, Health Secretary Dr. Rachel Levine spoke during the news conference and cited models that are showing significant increase in deaths from COVID-19 in Pennsylvania heading into the earlier part of 2021 if action is not taken. Also speaking was the head of Geisinger Health in Pennsylvania. He talked about the concerns that his organization has due to the surge in the number of cases and it's being seen in statistics right down at the county level. Both Northampton and Lehigh counties have approximately 80% of their intensive care unit beds occupied, which does not leave a lot of room for additional COVID cases, not to mention people with other health issues because the rates of heart attack and stroke or ulcers, what have you, they're not going down just because there's a pandemic. So there needs to be capacity for the hospitals to care for non-COVID patients as well and that's been disappearing. Obviously, there are going to be a lot of questions about the temporary restrictions. One of them that was brought up was enforcement involving businesses that do not comply with the order to stop indoor dining, for example. Governor Wolf said that that will be handled by the Pennsylvania State Police, the Department of Agriculture, and other state agencies that have officers who are already involved in enforcement. They will be continuing to do that. There weren't a lot of specifics offered about how that will be handled, but there have been several local businesses even before Thursday's announcement that said they are planning to remain open because it's a question of their business's survival at this point, and if they would close yet again because of the COVID-19 restrictions, they would lose everything. So of course, it's, it's a terrible situation for those business owners. It's a terrible situation for leaders who don't want to be in the position of having to tell businesses they can't operate. And of course, the consumers are sort of in the middle. You want to support your local businesses, we all do, but you want to be safe and keep your family safe from this terrible disease. So sometimes it seems like you can't do both. But one alternative, one option that that the governor mentioned, of course, was to continue to purchase takeout and delivery from restaurants. That includes takeout alcoholic beverages, which have been available since the spring, since uh, the law was temporarily changed to accommodate their service. Again, it depends somewhat on the type of restaurant, whether they're able to pivot to offer that, and certainly at the holidays, a lot of people would rather have that dine-in experience. It's not going to happen in 2020, and certainly many people won't even be socializing with anybody outside of their immediate household for Christmas. Family get-togethers will be very different if they happen at all. Governor Wolf and Secretary Levine urged against gathering with people from outside your household, be they family members or friends, to avoid those gatherings unless it's absolutely necessary. So we have a full story about the new mitigation order that was announced on Thursday. will go into effect on Saturday. I would encourage you to read it. There are links to the news release about it and, of course, the actual orders themselves. Another thing that Governor Wolf mentioned was that there is a federal relief package that's specifically targeted at restaurants, which he said is stalled in Congress in Washington, along with other stimulus talks. It remains to be seen if anything will get passed before the current session ends, which will be very soon, but that has also played a part in the anxiety that led up to this announcement. Uh, there's been no action on stimulus package that has been discussed by Congress for months now, so it's looking increasingly unlikely that anything will get passed before the end of the year, but stay tuned. The New mitigation order will certainly impact a wide variety of events that are scheduled that are related to the holidays and specifically to Christmas. One of the first ones affected is Saturday's Coopersburg Tree Lighting Ceremony, which is scheduled for 6 to 8 p.m. We reported on this recently and the event was supposed to include a Christmas tree sale and tractor rides and food vendors. It was all going to be outside. However, under the mitigation order that takes effect on Saturday, outdoor gatherings are limited to 50 people. Indoor gatherings are limited to 10 people. However, that essentially means that the event could not be held as planned So Southern Lehigh Chamber, once again, doing a great job of adapting to uh, changing circumstances. They immediately put out an announcement that the event will be held, but it will be a drive-through holiday celebration. From 6 to 8 p.m., you'll be able to drive past the Coopersburg Fire Company at State and Main Streets. That's right in the heart of Coopersburg at the Light. And there will be volunteers as well as business sponsors handing out some cocoa and crafts, other giveaways. I know they're going to have Elsa and Olaf from Frozen there. And of course, Santa will be there to say hi to everybody. So there will still be an opportunity to sort of feel the the festive cheer of the season. It just won't be quite what they were hoping for, but I give everybody credit for reacting quickly to the changes and and coming up with a solution that maybe isn't ideal, but it's probably the best that anyone could hope for under these difficult circumstances. So once again, Coopersburg's tree lighting is now a drive-through holiday celebration. It's Saturday, December 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. You will want to travel south on Route 309 and then make a right onto East State Street and go about two blocks, the fire company will be on your left. Of course, it'll be a long, probably be a long line of vehicles, so expect to wait in line for a bit, and I'm sure they'll have fire police out directing traffic, but as long as everybody's patient, it should be a fun event. And the weather is looking mild. There might be a little bit of rain, but we'll take the warmer temperatures because it's been quite chilly this week probably colder than normal and as I mentioned we had about an inch of snow on Wednesday that was a bit of a surprise it really didn't stick to the roads or sidewalks in the Lehigh Valley the temperatures were hovering right around freezing but with all the traffic there just wasn't an opportunity for that to happen but the grass was covered and it made for some very pretty pictures We have a gallery that we published, of course, on the website featuring uh, some Hellertown scenes and, of course, Lower Saucon landmarks also looking very picturesque in the snow, and the holiday decorations looked even more festive. So maybe we'll get some more snow before Christmas. I was just reading an update on Pennsylvania Weather Action. That's a great website that I follow for weather and weather-related news. And they're tracking two possible storm systems that could affect Pennsylvania in the coming week and bring snow to the area. That's something that we haven't seen much of before Christmas in recent years. So... That would be uh, pretty exciting. And of course, the grocery stores are going to have their hands full, not only trying to keep everything stocked for Christmas meals and COVID-19 cleaning products and paper products. Now they're going to have to be worrying about milk, bread, and eggs flying off the shelves too. So uh, if you uh, know a grocery store worker, don't forget they're frontline workers too. Please tell them thank you You know because they're working really hard right now they're out there potentially exposed to this virus and uh, they're doing a great job. So I hope everybody can be patient. Try and remember the true spirit of Christmas as you're doing your shopping because many people have had a really hard year and, and they're working to serve you right now. So uh, keep that in mind. As it happens, we did have a story this week also about several workers at Giant in Hellertown that recently tested positive for COVID 19. Uh, Actually, it was five workers over a period of just about four days. We hope that they are symptom free and feeling well. Certainly, the company is concerned whenever that happens, and we reached out to Giants Public Relations Department for some information about their cleaning protocols which they say are very thorough. If somebody contracts COVID-19 that works in a store, you can find more information about what they are doing in our story on the site. Of course, everybody needs to do their part by wearing a mask when they go shopping, keeping their distance from others. We know that these safeguards do help prevent the spread of the disease that said anytime you're going into a public area that's inside at this point you're potentially you know going to be exposed to it so of course wash your hands as soon as you have a chance to after leaving and if you're bringing out items you may want to use a disinfecting product on them whatever you need to do to keep yourself and your family safe but we also need to look out for other people and like I said think of the employees who are working during this very difficult time I can't thank them enough as far as COVID in our schools we received an update from Saucon Valley Superintendent Dr. Craig Butler earlier this week he updated the case numbers for the school district at this point there have been COVID cases in all three of the schools The majority, however, have been in the high school where there have been something like 23 confirmed cases according to the latest numbers. The middle school has had, I believe, two cases. This was as of December 9th, and the elementary school had had four cases, so close to 30 cases so far this year there has also been at least one employee in the district that tested positive earlier in the fall. The district does have a COVID-19 dashboard on its website, which includes student health statistics, such as the number of students that have visited the nurse in a certain week, the number of students that have gone home sick, and it even compares those numbers with the numbers last year. And what's interesting is that in most cases, and and this probably isn't that surprising, the numbers this year are much higher. So it's definitely in the schools. Also in response to that, Saucon Valley Superintendent Butler announced that for the time being, there will be no more of what they call mask breaks, where students were able to take off their face masks for 10 minutes or so during the day. That's due to the increasing number of cases, and that's probably just due in part to the fact that people are inside more now that it's colder, there's less fresh air circulating. In many cases, people are tired of following the restrictions. We've been following these restrictions for over nine months, and especially teens and kids are typically more impulsive. They may not have the the self-control to keep a mask on for eight hours a day a lot of adults have a hard time doing that so i can only imagine how challenging it is for kids and uh, i also uh, would encourage you to think of their teachers and the other staff people that are working hard in the schools to keep everybody safe they're not having an easy time of it i'm sure everybody's looking forward to christmas break and hopefully that will not be another opportunity for the disease to spread which apparently happened over thanksgiving Uh, the numbers have continued to increase since thanksgiving which of course was a time when people traveled people gathered with people from outside their households health and safety officials are of course worried that the same thing is going to happen over christmas whether the limited time mitigation order announced on thursday will have any effect on that is unclear because Ultimately, it's a matter of personal responsibility. As I mentioned, some people are at the point where they just are tired of the rules and they're going to do their own thing. So we'll see what happens. We'll continue to report the numbers and we hope they improve. In a positive note, we had a story uh, this week about the Hellertown Post Office and their Letters to Santa program, which is popular every year. Uh, not only with children, but even with adults. Santa has a wonderful helper here in Hellertown, several helpers at the Hellertown Post Office, and he also has his own secretary at the North Pole who assists him with writing his responses. He's a busy guy. He needs some help. And our ace reporter, Johnny Hart, interviewed her, and you can read her answers to his questions in a story on and Source and, of course, find out how to sh- submit your letter to Santa. There's actually a post office special box inside the Hellertown Post Office where you can do that. But you would you should do it soon because Christmas is only a couple weeks away and it does take a little time to write back and uh, get that letter back to the recipient. In construction news, we had a story uh, this week about the uh, model home that has opened at a development that's been in the works for many years, actually. Uh, It finally got going in early 2020, late 2019, early 2020. This is the cottages at Old Saucon in Upper Saucon Township, right off 378 and Saucon Valley Road. The development will ultimately include 80 homes and a sort of town center commercial area called The Village, The south end of the development is where the construction is primarily taking place now, new home construction. The model home that recently opened is one of four models. It's called The Grace, and it's about 2,300 square feet. Beautiful home built by a custom builder, Irwin Forest Builders, who's well-known in the Saucon Valley area. You can visit it during regular hours which we have listed in the story, along with lots of other useful information. We have links to the website for the cottages at Old Saucon, some photos, of course, of the inside of the home. I think you'll want to check it out. Visit the website, follow them on social media. I know they're on Instagram and Facebook for updates. And they they do share some really cool uh, like drone footage of the whole development being built, and it's uh, close to the Promenade Shops, if you're familiar with that, where that is, very close to Saucon Valley Country Club. We're curious to see what businesses are going to come into the village, which uh, will probably be announced sometime next year. So, of course, we'll be following that. And finally, we want to encourage you to enter our 2020 Holiday Lights Contest and tour on Saucon Source if you haven't done so already. Uh, We're wrapping up the entry period for that So get your entries in as soon as possible so we can include them in the tour. For every entry, we make a donation to three local nonprofits, and so do our co-sponsors, Blair Custom Homes Incorporated and Bob's Valleywide Carpet Care. So the more entries we receive, the more money that these deserving organizations will ultimately receive and with the tour we're going to have a, a map for you any home in the lehigh valley area is eligible along with businesses the same is true for upper bucks you can find the complete rules and the entry form in an article that's pinned on the Salkin Source homepage. we will have the tour published next week probably around december 15th give or take and then there will be a one-week voting period, which will conclude around the 22nd, and then we'll announce the winners, and they're going to get some awesome prizes. Look for more information about that in the coming days, too. And that's the news for this week, and we'll see you next week. Here at Sock & Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community a large part of that is a public service and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source, and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community. And it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website website sockandsource.com you can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page you'll see several membership options including a monthly membership for seven dollars a four month membership for twenty five dollars or a yearly membership for seventy dollars These are strictly voluntary contribution levels, and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so, and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online, and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members, and thank you for considering becoming a future member. It's my pleasure on this week's episode of No Rain Date to welcome our friend from the Southern Lehigh Chamber of Commerce, Ashley Laura. Ashley is the Assistant Vice President of Affiliated Chambers for the Greater Lehigh Valley Chamber of Commerce, and that means she works with several different communities, including Southern Lehigh, East Penn, Emmaus area, and Western Lehigh. She also works closely with our friend Jessica O'Donnell, who is the Vice President for Affiliated Chambers at the GLVCC, and Jessica has been our guest several times. And just like Jessica, Ashley is always there to provide a wealth of information, and that's why she's here tonight. She's going to tell us about an exciting event that's coming up in Coopersburg, a holiday event this weekend. So thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for
0: having me. This is my first podcast, so I'm Awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're thrilled and honored that your first podcast interview is on No Rain Date. So, we had a story about this, and we have ads for it on Sock & Source. It's, the event is the Coopersburg Tree Lighting Ceremony, which is held in downtown Coopersburg every year. But these things are a little bit different every year. And, and what's what's going on in 2020? What can people look forward to?
1: Well, housing Fruit Farms will be there doing cash hay rides. We actually had them at an event this past weekend, and it went really well. They were able to provide social distancing for families. They'll give them that great experience. So we're looking forward to those hay rides. They'll also be bringing some warm apple dumplings to sell. And the, mm. the line that they have this weekend was long. I haven't tried it, but, <laughs> man, it looks enticing.
0: <laughs> right.
1: There will be a raffle to benefit the Coopersburg Fire Company. So just your average raffle. You buy tickets, you drop it in the bags, and we'll pick out a winner around 7:45 for all those prizes. We will have a bunch of vendors there. So some of our sponsors like the Goddard School or Pro Western Lehigh County. Mm-hmm. But we'll also have some craft vendors like Lost Chicken Crafts, Patriotic Candles, Red Door Coffee Roasters. So they'll be a good mix of things. Things for people to buy, kids activities, just a well-rounded event that we're looking forward to.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds like a lot, a lot going on, and uh, and of course the highlights. Well, for for some people, will be obviously the tree lighting, but also Santa is going to be there. I, I understand.
1: Yes, you understand correctly. So Santa <laughs> will be joining us. Um, he'll be coming in on one of the fire trucks, and we also had a couple other friends coming. I believe it is Elsa and Olaf who are
0: gonna
1: be oh, joining us. Fun. Yes, very exciting. So that should be something to look forward to. Lots of special guests Saturday
0: evening. Yeah, I think I saw Elsa and Olaf at the Hellertown Lights endemic Park event, so. Yes, they've,
1: they've been making their rounds. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, they must be liking this, this weather, although it's, I mean, it's getting colder, but it's not gonna be super freezing apparently this weekend, so that's probably a good thing but you'll you'll want to dress for for the weather. And this is all happening, I should mention. You know, basically in the center of town is where the fire company and Borough Hall are. And you have a tree set up there right outside the fire company. There's plenty of room to move around, which is a good thing, because right now with COVID-19, everybody is expected to, you know, maintain six feet of distance at these types of events. And I know you guys will be, have everything set up, you know, for people's safety and and so they can have fun and enjoy themselves, which we still have to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're excited to give some people something to look forward to, but also make sure it's safe for everyone. So they will be Lots of space between vendors and just good space to mill about with family and still enjoy the festivities, music, and the tree lighting.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I know we're going to have our Sock and Source cameraman there to get some awesome photos of all the fun. So our, our listeners can look forward to seeing those on SockandSource.com in the future. I'm looking forward to continuing to partner with the Southern Lehigh Chamber on Promoting events in 2021, and I know you guys are going to have a lot planned for next year, so that's something to look forward to also. As yeah, far-
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah. No, as as far as getting information about Saturday's events and, and other events, people should probably follow Southern Lehigh Chamber on Facebook. Yes, we have Southern
1: Lehigh Chamber Facebook. And our affiliated chambers team had a LinkedIn and an Instagram. So in addition to what's happening in Southern Lehigh, you'll see what's going on around all of our other communities in the Lehigh and Northampton counties outside of the three major cities. So all your smaller, boroughs and municipalities we have you covered there so check us out on instagram
0: facebook and linkedin yep and i can vouch for that there is a lot going on so definitely you want to expand your horizons a little bit if you're just a bethlehem or allentown person and and check out the affiliated chambers and and there's always something going on as far as chamber the southern lehigh chamber specifically i know it's it's a, a very vibrant organization you have a lot of great business members and civic leaders that are involved. How can people become involved like if they're interested in in joining?
1: Yeah, so Jessica and I are your liaisons in the Southern Lehigh community. So if you go on to the Chamber's website which is just lehighvalleychamber.org you can find our contact information and from there we can run you through Membership benefits ways to get involved and really how to maximize your involvement with the chamber um, get exposure and networking Just kind of all the big things you get through the chamber. So Jessica and I are your contacts there to help get you started
0: Yes, and I know you will you will be happy to help like I said I mean, I'm I'm a member of the Hellertown Lower Saucon Chamber but I'm also a big supporter of Southern Lehigh Chamber because we cover southern lehigh on Talking and source and i've been to some of your events fundraisers and and there's a lot that you do that that people probably don't realize because it's behind the scenes but i think if they get involved they'll want to do more and i i hope people will will step up and do that so thank you yeah
1: we appreciate you uh helping spread the word and helping get information out there we love partnering with you
0: absolutely no, I mean it's it's my pleasure. Thank you again for joining us. Like I said, we will have coverage of the Kubersburg tree lighting ceremony on Sock and Source. That's definitely something to look forward to and, and happy holidays, actually.
1: Hey thanks. Happy holidays to you as well, and I can't wait to share what I see on Sock and Source.
0: Thank you. <phone rings> It's my pleasure on this episode of No Rain Date to welcome Andrea Zaya. Andrea is the curator of collections at the National Museum of Industrial History, which is located in Bethlehem. And we're going to learn a little bit about the recent event that was held there, which was called The Last Cast. And this was to commemorate the 25th anniversary of the final casting at Bethlehem Steel, which was in 1995. Thank you so much for joining us, Andrea.
2: Well, thank you, Josh. I'm really happy to be on the program today.
0: I'm excited to have you here. Obviously, uh, the museum is a terrific resource for Bethlehem Steel former employees, but beyond that, anybody with an interest in the steel or America's industrial history. So I wanted to sort of start off By having you tell us a little bit about the museum in general, for people who may not have been there before, what can they expect to find there, and and what is the connection between the museum and Bethlehem Steel specifically?
2: So the museum, we opened our doors the summer of 2016. And in the museum, you can find several galleries. So we do have an iron and steel gallery because people come down to our site and they are really interested about what they're seeing outside of the museum because we are on the former Bethlehem Steel Bethlehem plant site downtown on in South Bethlehem. So people come in and they want to learn more about that. So we do have an iron and steel gallery, but we also feature other other industries, and especially those that were prominent in this area as well, like the silk industry, so we have a silk gallery, we also have an energy gallery, and one of the most exciting parts of the collection that is on display at the museum are Smithsonian artifacts. They're from the National Museum of American History, and they make up our our centennial exhibit in our machinery hall space. So that's also a very engaging opportunity for people to see more 19th century artifacts that, are, that were part of uh, the Smithsonian collection.
0: That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, and, and you bring up a great point about the textiles. This region had a huge textile industry at one time, and that's why we have yeah, so many right. of these wonderful, big old mill buildings that have been repurposed into loft apartments and all different kinds of things but that sounds mm-hmm. like a fascinating area to, to examine. Bethlehem Steel is still, of course, a legendary name, not only here in the Lehigh Valley, but really throughout the country. And I grew up sort of at the tail end, I guess, of that era, but it, it dominated uh, so many things when you were in Bethlehem at that time. You know, this was in the 80s and into the 90s. And I think it, it was kind of a shock to a lot of people when it, when it ended. And it's yeah, still definitely. kind of. Yeah, it's still kind of so much a part of the culture. And there are so, so many living former steelworkers around that you hear it discussed on a regular basis. Tell us a little bit about the, the genesis of, of the last cast event. And, and before that, I guess, what events. 25 years ago sort of precipitated the the decline of the steel that led to that being their, their end.
2: Right, so this past year in November, we marked the 25th anniversary since the plant ceased making iron in the blast furnaces. And the plant then continued to operate for a few years after that. So sometimes people will talk about, well, 1995 and and everything was shut down. And that's not exactly how it happened. But iron, iron production and that hot end of operations did cease in 95. But the structural mills continued operating for two more years, forging continued, the railroad, Coke oven division as well continued on just for a few more years after that. So what, what we were really marking is the beginning of this real change for the, for the site and for you know, the community's identity essentially. We started this big collaboration with citywide partners. Well over a year ago, we started meeting. And our original concept shifted very much due to the COVID pandemic. But we did receive a lot of feedback from our virtual and outdoor distance programs that we were able to hold in November. That was definitely really a special thing. Some of our partners were PBS39, Bethlehem Area Public Library, ArtsQuest, the Steelworkers Archives, Historic Bethlehem Museums and Sites, Wind Creek, Bethlehem, and it was a really wonderful experience to be working with all of these people in in a working on this event to really honor the legacy of the steelworkers.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that it's awesome that you had that much support from within the community for the event. It shows you know, how important preserving the legacy is to, you know, not just to the museum, but to a lot of our local institutions. And certainly it's important to the people that that work there. And I know personally, one of them, Roger Militsky, who I know was a speaker at the event. Is that right?
2: That's right. Roger was wonderful. So he's, he is so knowledgeable and he's such a great person to talk to and you can tell when you do talk to him about his experiences like a lot of steelworkers he really enjoyed his job and so i i know you had an opportunity i think to walk with Roger up on the trestle a few years ago I and did. yeah and he explained to you, you know, what the significance of these large blast furnaces that you see before you, and what the different, some of the machinery that is still up there, and how the different components functioned. So i mean, you know, Rogers really wonderful to talk to. We have a lot of former steelworkers who've, who've started gathering at the museum. They do demonstrations. They give talks. We have them inside the museum as gallery guides in non-COVID times. They really have become the backbone of what our mission is at the museum right now.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah. that's awesome that they're involved to that degree. And I learned so much. I've learned so much from talking to Roger because, like I said, growing up, well, growing up, I, I didn't have any direct family members that worked in the Bethlehem Steel so I didn't have the knowledge, you know, that some people in this area do of it. It was just this huge sort of like fortress-like complex that dominated, you know, the town. But I had no idea what went on, you know, inside those gates. And uh, Roger, you know, he loves to talk about it. And yeah, our to- my tour with him is actually on YouTube. If you look up Hoover Mason Trestle, you'll yeah. find the video in which he talks about many of the the things he did and points out different areas of interest along the trestle which goes right along the blast furnaces so
2: and you know what's what's fun when you talk to steel workers you'll hear about you know you'll hear that you know the pride of the work that they did and and they enjoyed working with their coworkers, and many times they didn't know their coworkers' full name; they just knew a nickname, right? But what's pretty, what's pretty cool is that I'm always amazed at the skill sets, the problem solving, the ingenuity, and the passion for steelmaking that you will hear from these former steelworkers. And also, there were funny things that happened. You know, it was a dangerous environment, but there were humorous events that took place. And so, you know, you'll hear these stories about this amazing thing that happened, or, you know, this, and then you'll hear some funny stories, too. So it's, you know, I encourage anybody to talk to a a former Bethlehem steelworker, and just listen to these unique, and, you know, really, really amazing stories that they have to offer.
0: Right, right, absolutely. And I mean, safety, workplace safety was was a huge part of their job. And I know Roger talked quite a bit about that, you know, that there were some serious accidents there over the years. And uh, definitely a job where you had to be on your toes, not like sitting in an office or anything like that. You, You had to be aware of your surroundings at all times because you were working, you know, around molten metal that i don't know what the temperature of that was do you know
2: (laughs) yeah and the blast furnaces they could reach almost up to three thousand and degrees yeah so a very serious situation a really serious environment i think on the nmih youtube site there is some raw footage original footage that roger shared with me of working inside the blast furnaces so that might be fun for folks who are interested to head over to the NMIH YouTube site to take a look at what that really was like inside.
0: Right, right. It was not a walk in the park to work there. And and, uh, I know that that was also true for the Coke Works, because a lot of Hellertown residents worked in the Coke Works, which, as you mentioned, closed a few years after the last cast. But um, you would come out of there like as black as, <laughs> you know, a piece yeah. of coal, basically, because of the environment that you were in.
2: We have uh, some Coke Works former employees from the Coke Oven division who volunteer with us. And it's, you know, again, it's it's really remarkable to hear their stories. And they loved working with these co-workers. So it was really It was the people, you know, it was the work, but it was also the people that you'll hear them, you know, sort of uh, that are really central to the stories.
0: Right, right. I know PBS39 did a documentary a number of years ago about Bethlehem Steel that features a lot of interviews with former steel workers. And I I think it's on YouTube. That's also probably a good... A good video to check out because it really goes into detail about the entire history of the company going all the way back to the 1800s, which was when it began. As as far as the the event goes, I know you, you had some special things going on with it, like where you had sort of like the lunch recreated that they would have had at the steel.
2: Yeah, yes. We were able to have the Hoover Mason Trestle opened up. People were able to walk up on the trestle again, and experience that being close to the blast furnaces. And then we opened up our park, Foundry Park, and we had some demonstrations going on. And then at the end of the event, we had some we had speakers. Um, and at the end of the event, we were able to share some video, some photographs. And then they took a steelworker's lunch home. So we we actually have some merchandise from the event, if anyone is interested. At the museum, in the shop, we have a Blast Furnace 25th anniversary. It was Blast Furnace C. That was the last Blast Furnace that produced the iron. So we have t-shirts and we also have cups. We have glasses that really make nice gifts.
0: Yeah, no, I I would like to check that out. And what better time of year to do that too with Christmas right around the corner. A lot of people uh, may have somebody, a a loved one or a friend that has some connection to this deal that that would really treasure a memento like that. So, And that's on your website?
2: It is. We do have an online shop now. You can go right on to nmih.org and you can go to the shop menu. And then some of those items are in the online shop, or you can come into the museum. The museum is open on a limited basis, Friday, Saturday, Sunday from 11 until four. And I do encourage anyone, if you're thinking about coming down to the museum, just to check on the Facebook page or on the website, just to make sure that, you know, with further restrictions that we aren't, we don't have more reduced hours.
0: Because yeah, those hours are already reduced due to COVID-19 and yeah. you obviously mm-hmm. have precautions in place with you know for visitors as far as being spread out and it's a pretty big place yes anyway i i think
2: it's it's a big place and we have really tall really high ceilings because we were the former electrical repair shop so this is one of the only original Bethlehem Steel buildings, work buildings that you can go into that really has retained that original look and feel. So we have really high ceilings. We have sanitation stations all over. We are doing timed ticketing, so you can go online and and choose the time that you'd like to come there, and you'll be assured that it'll be limited um, visitors inside the museum and everyone is distanced out a bit. We've also changed a lot of our interactives to be touchless, and we have developed a mobile app, so you are able to go and you can download the mobile app, with the purchase of the ticket and then you can go and have additional features to help add to your your visitor experience.
0: Wow. That's a great example of innovating in response to the challenges of, of this time.
2: I'll yeah. have to
0: check out that that app. That's a great addition to the to the museum, I'm sure. In addition to your permanent exhibits, I know you have like sort of rotating exhibits throughout the year what do you have going on right now or, or coming up in 2021?
2: yeah so we right now we have this really cool photography exhibit it's called machines of interest the selected works of Stephen Mallon and Stephen is a renowned photographer he's worked with National Geographic, The New Yorker, um, NPR he's he's been sent all over to do very special, shoots on location so we have selected from some of his most recent works of about two dozen pieces so you can come on down and you can look at the works of Stephen Mallon we also are going to be bringing in for anthracite month in January from the PHMC from the anthracite heritage museum a coal region specific exhibit featuring um, a scrapbook The Delano scrapbooks, and we're going to have a couple of reproduced images of pages from those scrapbooks. Also, in we're doing a lot of virtual programming too. So, also in January, we are going to be looking at mining, we're going to be looking at the mines in Chile, and so we're going to be offering our first. On the virtual museum platform a bilingual program with an expert from chile javier rojas and we're going to be featuring Corey fisher hoffman from lafayette college and that we're going to be talking to populations the community in chile and in our area and hopefully anyone else around the world who has an interest in this would be able to join us for this really riveting conversation about the Bethlehem Steel Mining Division. Because, you know, as we were talking about earlier, you think of Bethlehem Steel, you think of the Bethlehem Plant, but this was an international company. And so they had subsidiary companies and divisions all over the world. So we're gonna start examining those
0: a little bit more too. That sounds wonderful. Thank goodness for technology that we can have, you know, continue with these events they're just online but you can still have the education and the uh the learning continue even when we can't you know be in a room together so i'm glad to hear that the museum is is embracing that and uh and you do have some physical events continuing right like i saw that there's an event involving a locomotive like like locomotive rides
2: Yeah, so on Saturdays, our historian does do locomotive rides, so if you've ever wanted to drive a train, you can purchase a ticket and do just that. And so we have about 100 foot of track outside of the museum, and we have a little locomotive that was used in the electric furnace melt shop. And it's called Dinky, and you can get behind the wheel, so to speak, and, and the controls and run on that 100 feet of track. So that's pretty exciting. If anyone's interested, that would also make a great gift for any train enthusiast. And you can go online and see if you can get a ticket. I know that there are. it's timed as well, so you'd want to make sure that you are getting those before they sell out. We also have another, some other, you know, we're we're trying to figure out uh, what's what the landscape is going to look like over the winter. So we are a bit limited in in terms of on site events, big events, but we do. We'll be um, featuring another kind of Steelworkers reunion, hopefully for Steel Weekend 2021. And that's going to be at the end of September. So if anybody was interested in our last cast event and they weren't able to get there, don't worry. We're going to be offering this as an annual opportunity for Steelworkers to come together and share those memories and just be around the on the plant site and just talking to former workers and I think it's a great experience
0: yeah that's that's fantastic and and I'm glad that Mm -hmm. that you mentioned that because there are I mean thousands of former steel workers out there I'm sure I mean it's it's 25 years ago, but that's not that long ago compared to a lot of things that have happened in our history. So yeah, they're right. they're still very vibrant and active and and want to share those memories cuz it was such mm-hmm. a big part of their lives.
2: That's right. And you know, the museum is here largely in part because they are here. And so we we really see this connection and our area's rich industrial history—it's—it's it's kind of continually evolving. We've started also this meet the manufacturer series, so it's a, a monthly talk. So manufacturing still is continuing in in the Bethlehem area, but we invite the steelworkers to come down and share their past experiences and some of their, their knowledge and their skills with young people. So we have a lot of opportunities for sharing across the generations as well, because we have a lot to learn from them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you have to, you have to record that information while you have them. And oral history is, is something that I'm passionate about too. So makes makes sense exactly. to to have them as a resource. Just in wrapping up, I wanted to ask you just to sort of give people the location of the museum so that they know where it is in relation to other attractions in that area of South Bethlehem mm-hmm. and then remind them about your your social media presence and Because we want them to follow you, of course, on Facebook, Instagram, and, and YouTube. I know you mentioned your YouTube channel.
2: Yeah, exactly. So the National Museum of Industrial History, we are in between 2nd and 3rd Street, adjacent to the NCC Fowler Building and on that Steel Stacks campus. So we can see the blast furnaces across the parking lot. So we are really in that heart of the former Bethlehem plant, Lehigh plant. Area, that historic area, you can go on to NmiH.org. On that home page, the first page, you can sign up for our mailing list. So I do suggest that if you're interested in, in receiving announcements or or finding out, you know, what we're up to, you can you can do that. You can also go to our Facebook page and you'll find those links at NMIH.org. You'll also see the online shop there and you'll be able to link up to our youtube page too so there's a lot going on and we we have an archive we have a bethlehem steel archive people are always bringing in new donations and we want to share with the community so get in touch with us and stay in touch
0: perfect well thank you thank you again for joining us andrea and i'm sure we'll uh, we'll want to have you on again and maybe next time also, we'd love to have Roger, somebody with, you know, the, the stories from the Steel Days to share, and we'll hopefully be able to do that next year and and continue to uh, grow this this relationship. So thank you.
2: Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate it.
0: We've been recording No Rain Date since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing. What makes you tune in every week? What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at saukensource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Sauken Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. <music> No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening.